Welcome to the God's Word, our Great Heritage Podcast. We ended last week's podcast with these words from Exodus chapter 12. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord, who passed over the household of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes. Professor Lessing, in his commentary, writes, Israel's exodus is historical. It is also personal. It's not just an old story. Each succeeding generation was to know it is our story. These are the mighty acts of God that have made us who we are, his people. In the same way, when you and I gather in spirit on Golgotha's skull-shaped hill on Good Friday, or in an empty garden tomb on Easter morning, It's not just historical, it's personal. This is our rescue. This is what God has done to make us who and what we are. His people, a chosen nation, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God, to use Peter's words. This is why we remember it in solemn liturgy. It's not just Jesus shed his blood. No, it's Jesus shed his blood for us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, your death and resurrection, it's not just history. It's my story. It makes me who I am. Help me to tell the next generation your praiseworthy deeds. Amen. We pick it up this week at verse 29. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon, and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night, and there was loud wailing in Egypt, for there was not a house without someone dead. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up! Leave my people, you and the Israelites, go. Worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you have said and go. And also bless me. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country, for otherwise they said, we will all die. So the people took their dough before the yeast was added and carried it on their shoulders in kneading troughs wrapped in clothing. The Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and for clothing. The Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people, and they gave them whatever they asked for. So they plundered the Egyptians. Events move rapidly. The Lord himself strikes down every firstborn in Egypt. There's not a house without someone dead, except the houses marked with the blood of a lamb. There is a loud wailing throughout the land. Pharaoh urges Moses, Go, hurry, leave before we all die. The Israelites leave, carrying their dough without yeast. They ask the Egyptians for gold and silver and articles of clothing, wages long overdue. And the Egyptians are eager to give it to them, just so the Israelites get out. So the Israelites leave, 
Not sneaking out the back door like escaped slaves with only the clothes on their back. No, no. They leave in triumphant procession, loaded down with Egyptian wealth, as conquerors, loaded with plunder. Did you catch that Pharaoh asked Moses to bless him? simply means that Pharaoh was asking Moses to ask your God to leave me alone. Verse 37, the Israelites journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth. There were about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. Many other people went up with them, and also large droves of livestock, both flocks and herds. With the dough the Israelites had brought from Egypt, they baked loaves of unleavened bread. The dough was without yeast because they had been driven out of Egypt and did not have time to prepare food for themselves. Now the length of time the Israelite people lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of the 430 years to the very day, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt. Because the Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt, on this night all the Israelites are to keep vigil to honor the Lord for the generations to come. What a sight it must have been. 600,000 men, plus women and children, plus other non-Israelites who joined the, the Israelite exodus. Probably well over 2 million people in all streaming out of Egypt with their livestock. In the years to come, the Israelites were to keep vigil to honor the Lord who kept vigil over them that night. When I hear that word vigil, I I think of a mom spending a sleepless night as she cares for a sick child. Someone who purposely stays awake during the long hours of the night to care for someone else. The Lord cared for his people through that long night. He protected them and rescued them. And from now on, in all the succeeding generations, they were to keep vigil on the anniversary of that night. They were to set aside a time for watchful remembrance of what the Lord had done for them. We, too, set aside our special times to remember what our Lord has done for us. Christmas Eve is perhaps the most obvious. Instead of spending the evening in wild parties and drinking and overeating, as so much of our world does at Christmas, Christians gather in quiet contemplation to remember how our God has rescued us in the sending of his Son. Midweek Advent and Lenten services are other examples of how God's people today keep vigil or keep watch so that we might not forget, not forget how God has delivered us from slavery to sin and death and given us life and freedom and joy. It is at this point, after reminding them that this is a day to, remem- to be remembered each year from now on, that God gives further instructions on how they will eat this meal in the future. Verse 43. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, These are the regulations for the Passover meal. No foreigner may eat it. Any slave you have brought may eat it after you have circumcised him. But a temporary resident or a hired worker may not eat it. It must be eaten inside the house. Take none of it outside the house. Do not break any of the bones. 
the whole community of Israel must celebrate it. A foreigner residing among you who wants to celebrate the Lord's Passover must have all the males in his household circumcised. Then he may take part like one born in the land. No uncircumcised male may eat it. The same law applies both to the native-born and to the foreigner residing among you. All the Israelites did just what the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. And on that very day, the Lord brought the Israelites out of Egypt by their, by their divisions. No one outside the Israelite community could eat the Passover. If a foreigner wanted to eat the Passover, he would first need to be received into the community. And that meant submitting to its regulations, including circumcision. Why did God restrict who was allowed to participate in the Passover? Was it not to protect the meal and what it was teaching? If anyone and everyone could participate, perhaps only because it seemed interesting or fun, would not the meaning of the meal eventually be lost? And this sacred remembrance turned into an empty ritual? Sadly, you only need to look at our secular culture's celebration of Christmas to see how the true meaning is lost when it's no longer a sacred holiday. Don't misunderstand. I, I enjoy the holiday movies on TV at this time of the year as much as anyone. Okay, maybe not as much as anyone, but I still like some of them. And I have not, nothing against the big elf in the red suit. But it is sad to see so many who go all in for some of this frivolous stuff connected with the Christmas holiday, but have little understanding of what God has done for us in giving his son. No, the Passover meal was to be for God's people and only God's people. There is a parallel here with the Lord's Supper. We limit participation in our celebration of the Lord's Supper to those who share our confession. Some find that to be unloving, but in reality, that's the most loving thing to do. First, because Scripture teaches that receiving the sacrament without understanding it is to harm oneself. And we don't want to be the cause of someone receiving the sacrament to their harm. How unloving that would be. But secondly, this meal is to strengthen a fellowship a community. And if eating this meal is open to anyone and everyone, it no longer does that. So restricting participation in the Lord's Supper to those who are in the community is a way of showing love for that community. Chapter 13. The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me whether human or animal. Then Moses said to the people, Commemorate this day, the day you came out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, because the Lord brought you out of it with a mighty hand. Eat nothing containing yeast. Today, in the month of Aviv, you are leaving. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Hivites, and Jebusites, the land he swore to your ancestors to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey. You are to observe this ceremony in this month. For seven days eat bread made without yeast, 
and on the seventh day hold a festival to the Lord. Eat unleavened bread during those seven days. Nothing with yeast in it is to be seen among you, nor shall any yeast be seen anywhere within your borders. On that day, tell your son, I do this because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. This observance will be for you like a sign on your hand and a reminder on your forehead. In other words, it's something that you you do, a sign in your hand, and something you think about on your forehead. That this law of the Lord is to be on your lips. It's something you talk about. For the Lord brought you out of Egypt with his mighty hand. You must keep this ordinance at the appointed time year after year. After the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and gives it to you, as he promised on oath to you and your ancestors, you are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every room, of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey, but if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. In the days to come, when your son asks you, what does this mean? Say to him, with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. When Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed the firstborn of both people and animals in Egypt. This is why I sacrifice to the Lord the first male offspring of every womb and redeem each of my firstborn sons. And it will be like a sign on your hand and a symbol on your forehead that the Lord brought us out of Egypt with his mighty hand. When the Lord struck down the firstborn in Egypt, he spared the firstborn of the Israelites, the firstborn in the houses marked with the blood of a lamb. Now, to help impress on them his grace in sparing their sons, and to impress on them that they, as a people, were his firstborn son. The Lord said that from now on, they were to consecrate their firstborn sons to him. More details are are given later on, but basically it was this. The firstborn of animals, the animals which were acceptable as sacrifices, were to be sacrificed, indicating they belonged to the Lord. Animals not acceptable as sacrifices, like donkeys, either needed to be redeemed by a substitute, a lamb, or they were simply to be slaughtered. Firstborn sons were to be redeemed by a payment. Since Jesus, our Savior, was born under the law, we have an example of this in Luke chapter 2. Mary and Joseph go to the temple to present Jesus there. Since they were poor, it seems they were somehow exempted from the payment price, but they still presented him, presented him as belonging to the Lord. They consecrated him. Of course, Jesus was consecrated to the Lord's service in the fullest way possible. He was consecrated, set apart for special service as he was obedient to his Father's will in working out our salvation. All of this, this redeeming the firstborn or sacrificing the firstborn, all of this was to impress on the Israelites and on us as well that we are not our own. 
We were bought at a price. The blood of the Lamb of God, who took away our sin by his innocent suffering and death. For that, we are to serve and obey him always. We are consecrated to the Lord. In the days to come, when your sons when your son asks you, what does this mean? Do you, do you see how that is being emphasized over and over again in this section of Exodus? The Exodus itself, the departure from Egypt, it only got a few verses, didn't it? But God impresses on his people again and again the importance of teaching your children what God has done for them. We do not want to be legalists about church festivals and celebrations, but what wonderful opportunities they are and how important regular Sunday worship attendance is as we teach our children the one thing needful. Verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. After leaving Succoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. And by night, in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. It was not the shortest route, but it was the best. God's ways always are, even when we don't understand his reasoning. Moses remembered the request Joseph had made 400 years before. It was Joseph's confession of faith to his descendants that God would certainly keep his promise to bring his people home where the promise of a Savior would be fulfilled. God help us to leave such confessions of faith for our children and our children's children. The Lord showed his presence among his people with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. We'll have more to say about that next time. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.